Welcome back, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me in another episode of Missing the Point with Miles David. I'm your host, Miles David, and thank you for lending me your ears again. While I have you, please make sure that you are subscribing to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, just to name a few, but wherever you're listening, make sure you subscribe, like, and rate the podcast, and Make sure that you are following me on social media just to give me some feedback. I I really do appreciate the feedback I've been getting from listeners, whether it is things they like about the show or things that they wish the show could do or things that they would like to see from me. Whatever it is, please feel free to follow along on the podcast, Twitter and Instagram at Missing Point Pod. That is M-I-S-S-I-N-G-P-O-I-N-T-P-O-D on Instagram and Twitter. And I actually just made a Facebook page. We are still in the baby development phases of that page on Facebook, um, but it's the same handle as well. So if you're a Facebook person, you can definitely go over there and listen as well. So today, I, of course, have to talk about tennis, although the U.S. Open just passed us on by a couple weeks ago, if it's been a week already. I think it has already been a week, but usually... The U.S. Open is basically a signal for the end of the tennis season. The months of October and November are fairly quiet in tennis season. There's still some tournaments going on. Usually they're on the Asian or in the Asian part of the world called the Asian Swing. Then they have the World Tour Finals for the men and the women at their respective sites. But after October, November... The season really starts to wind down and the players start to prepare for the next season. There really isn't a long layoff period for tennis players. It kind of just goes around and around and around. <laughs> but since things are a little bit different this year in 2020, it seems like everything just keeps going or keeps getting weirder in 2020. Tennis is no exception to that. Right around the time of this pandemic, pandemicking. <laughs> The French Open went ahead and moved their date, which the French Open is the traditional second major of the year amongst the schedule or on the schedule, I should say. And typically it is played in May or June every year. But like I said, as soon as the pandemic started pandemicking, those the people that put together the French Open went ahead and booked it for September and they, I think they moved it. I'm pretty sure they moved it back maybe a few more weeks. Stood in September, but towards the latter end of September. We're actually looking at the French Open starting on the 21st. I'm, I'm actually recording this on the 21st. And the French Open technically has started. They have already started the men's qualifying draw and the women's qualifying draw. And there's going to be 16, I believe, men and women that make out of that draw to get to play in the main draw and they will be live and in action starting on starting on sunday the 27th that's when main draw play begins in men's singles and women's singles for the french open aka roland garros and that will be the last major of the year which still sounds odd to say it but nonetheless here we are and we are over in europe playing tennis well not me the players are (laughs) i'm just here to talk about them the players are over in europe preparing for the french open again it's odd a lot of them have commented saying they really haven't been in europe or haven't traveled to europe around this part of the season um 
just because the tour has not traditionally been set up that way. But here we are in a pandemic and we have to just roll the punches as they are given at us. So the players are over in Europe preparing their best clay court tennis to compete for two weeks at the French Open. And I have some small tennis tidbit updates about it. So one of the main ways the players basically tune up for the French Open is to play smaller level tournaments or tournaments that are basically ranked right underneath the Grand Slams. And one of those tournaments actually just got finished today in Rome, Italy. Fun fact about this tournament, it actually has the name that I find the most fun to say as far as tournament name. You know how you can say like US Open, the Australian Open. Those are huge tournaments, but they're not that fun to say. <laughs> if you want to stick a pin in the bubble of fun, you could definitely call this tournament I'm about to refer to as the Italian Open. But for fun purposes, why not go full out and call it the Internazionale Biennale d'Italia? <laughs> That's the Italian pronunciation. I'm guessing for international tournament in Italia. It's called the Italian Open. They play in Rome at the Foro Italico, which is from pictures I've seen as a magnificent stadium and tennis complex. It looks beautiful. All the players say it, it, it really has a beautiful vibe. But yep, that's where the players are playing or just finished up playing this week at the Internazionale Biennale d'Italia. You had to like give it that Italian flex when you say it. You can't just say Internationale Biennale d'Italia. You got to say International Biennale Biennale. See, I can't even say it, but when I get it right, it's it's fun to say. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the tournament just completed, and I know I talked a lot about Novak Djokovic on the last episode. If you haven't checked out the previous podcast where me and my good friend Brian wrap up the 2020 U.S. Open, we did have a couple of moments where we talked about no- Novak Djokovic and how we weren't really fond of his actions. Uh, if you don't know, he got defaulted in the fourth round of that tournament, which coincidentally is his first official loss of the season. Like that goes down in the statisticians or statisticians <laughs> notebooks <laughs> as a loss. Um, even though he didn't complete the match, he was defaulted from it. But he actually kind of shook off the demons, I guess you can say, of that pretty embarrassing or unneeded moment and won this week's Italian Open in Rome. That was actually his fifth time winning that tournament. And for all those that may see me tweet or listen to the podcast and kind of infer that I really don't care for Novak Djokovic, two things. One, you'd be right. I don't necessarily care for him. Like, I'm not the number one fan. I never would say that I'm a stan or anything like that. But number two is I'm never going to discredit somebody or not give them their flowers when they clearly are deserving. And Novak Djokovic is clearly deserving of the respect needed to or the respect earned of a top tennis player. He's the number one player in the world. He just won um, a tournament in Rome for the fifth time. And fun fact, that wasn't his first time winning a title for the fifth or more time. Actually, he has a really, really interesting now who is this calling me now look at this hold on hold on y'all my bad y'all sorry i had to answer that call it's from a very important person <laughs> you know let me get back to very important person i'm gonna save that for another segment of the show matter of fact i guess i should tell you guys this now 
I'm going to be introducing two new segments of the show in this episode. Yay! If I had, I can find some clap audio. <laughs> I'm late, I'm sorry. But yeah, I am going to be introducing a hot topic segment later on in the show and another segment that you guys have to stay tuned for and keep listening for. They're going to be interesting. They're not going to be too crazy. Well, I might throw a little dash of interestingness in them. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, stick around. I'm introducing some new segments to the show. I told you guys it wasn't going to all be about tennis, but that reminds me, I was talking about tennis before I had to take that call. I was talking about Novak Djokovic and him winning his fifth title in Rome. That wasn't even the first or second or third time that he has actually won a tournament five times or more. Just going down this list that was tweeted out earlier, He's won eight Australian Opens, which is a Grand Slam. He's won that eight times. He's won a tournament in Beijing six times, a tournament in Miami six times, Wimbledon five times. Again, another one of the Grand Slams. He's won the ATP Finals that I mentioned earlier, which is played at the end of the year between the eight best players from that season. He's won that five times. He's won Indian Wells five times. Shout out to Indian Wells, my first ever tennis tournament. Whoop, whoop. (laughs) He's won a tournament in Paris five times. He's won a tournament in Dubai five times. And ultimately, he's won Rome five times. So, like I said, the man, by the numbers, by the book, is definitely worthy of being considered the GOAT, the greatest of all time. I know he has his constituency of fans that feel like there is no conversation for Roger Federer or Rafael Nadal to even be a part of the GOAT conversation these days. I don't believe that. I think there are more than just numbers on uh, on a stat sheet that make you the GOAT. I think impact and just how you're overall viewed, to me, makes um, that a little bit of a stronger case than just what your stats are on paper as far as wins, losses, where you've won, where you lost, stuff like that. And that goes to my point about Novak Djokovic. Yes, I'm able to say that he's great. Like he's a world-class tennis player, period, point blank. In my follow-up statement, though, I can definitely say and have the right to say that he's not my favorite to watch. And if you are looking for somebody to kind of be praising Novak Djokovic, this may not be the pla- the platform or podcast for you because will I will I be able to acknowledge when he does well? Yes. And I can do I can do even one step further. He hadn't even spoken to the press since his debacle in New York City with the default. I think I think his statements that he made in the pre-tournament conference in Rome, I think the statements he made were pretty good. He took ownership of the fact that the situation shouldn't have happened. He checked on the female line judge that he hit in the throat. He was basically saying all the right things. Do I think a lot of that was prepared by PR or or trained by PR? Probably so. But I also think that he is a man that knows when he's done wrong or at least tries to take ownership of that. And that, I mean, I can respect from any person. I can respect that. Was he a little bit arrogant (laughs) in his in his meeting with the press pre-tournament? A little. He basically went on to say that he can't. 100% control his emotions because his emotions are basically what have helped get him to this level. And I do understand that in order to be a top tennis player, you basically have to be dialed in 
almost every week of the year in order to produce your best results in order to re- to retain being the number one player in the world and that's what he's been able to do for large large portions of his career so i understand that you kind of have to be zoomed in focused in and a, a lot of that's that takes an emotional toll on you and tennis is a sport you're out there by yourself so sometimes you just need to be able to scream or crack a racket or let it all out. And I, I want to clarify, like I'm not a person that thinks that tennis is some goody two shoe kind of sport where you can't scream or curse or get upset. Basically I'm all for that, but I just do think that when it comes to endangering other people on the court, like he did in the instant instance in New York, that's kind of where you kind of got to self evaluate and be like, okay, yes, I can emote and have passion on the court because some of my favorite players have passion on the court, AKA Serena Williams. Like she's gotten to the heights that she's gotten to by being passionate and fiery on the court because she doesn't want to lose. I get that. But you also in a way can control what you do with yourself on the court and hitting the ball recklessly. Although nine times out of 10, it probably won't hit somebody in the throat and have them buckle with the knees, that's true. But you also take the risk of the fact that that 10th time out of 10 that it does, you have to take accountability for that. So I'm glad he did, you know, reference the incidents uh, via the press and not just social media, that we kind of got his words behind it in real time. So that was nice to see and congrats to him on the tournament. Um, he is going to be a big favorite going into Roland Garros. Like I said, he really hasn't lost a match all year, even though it's been up and down slash abbreviated schedule because of the pandemic. He hasn't lost a match that he has completed from the intro to the racket type at the end or the handshake used to be. So he's definitely going to be a favorite at Roland Garros, even though he's won there before. He's going to be a heavy favorite. He's probably not going to be the ultimate favorite, though, because there is a person that has won that event 12 times named Rafael Nadal. I'm sure you've heard of him. He actually played in in Italy, in Rome as well. And he he got some really good matches under his belt. He did go out in the quarterfinals, though, which is kind of odd for him, especially to the opponent he lost to. Rafael Nadal lost to the eventual runner-up that Novak Djokovic beat, Diego Schwartzman from Argentina. Definitely kudos to Diego Schwartzman for going out there and winning that match. He had lost to Rafael Nadal 10 times previously, or nine times, one of those, nine or 10 times previously. And he went out there and basically played the best to his ability. Rafael Nadal hasn't played since the tour stopped back in March. So that was his first tournament back since the COVID-19 stoppage. And he was a little bit rusty. I can't blame him. He's a human. Although when you think of clay, you think of Rafael Nadal basically instantly because he owns almost every clay court tournament that there is for the past decade. Plus he's still human. There's going to be days where he can't get up and perform at his best or somebody just has a better day than him. That's kind of why you lace up the shoes and, and string your rackets to play tennis because you never know, even though the odds may be in, in somebody else's favor times a trillion, you still got to go out there and play the sport. So um, I will definitely have an eye out to see how that loss transpires to his performance in Roland Garros. I still believe that he would be the odds maker's favorite. He's still my favorite to win it. But would I necessarily be shocked if he doesn't win the tournament? No, just because 2020 has been so wacky. And from what I've seen... On social media, 
the French Open is not airtight as far as pandemic precautions as the U.S. Open was. The French kind of are they're kind of portraying like a laissez-faire, which I think is a French word. <laughs> they're just kind of seemingly more relaxed or just not as strict on the rules they have set in place for the tournament. They basically just want people to play because they just got a new roof in 2020 and didn't expect the pandemic to hit. So they basically are like, y'all need to come play this tournament and that's going to be that and play under this new roof I just got for y'all. So be happy we got that. And I think most tennis players are just happy that they can go back and have a tournament to go make money to and kind of create, keep creating a living for themselves. But I hope and pray that there aren't or there isn't a huge outbreak of COVID amongst the professional players. I mean, as I speak now, and I mentioned the the qualifying started this Monday, as I'm recording this, yeah, Monday, September 22nd, excuse me, Monday, September 21st, the qualifying start, and already a player um, was disqualified, basically, because their coach tested positive, and another female player tested positive that was also in the uh, women's singles qualifying draw, so... Hopefully that does not create a domino effect and endanger people because there still isn't a cure for this virus and people's lives still are at risk, even though it kind of feels like the world is trying to move on and, you know, kind of be over COVID. It's still a potentially deadly situation. So I wish them the best. I personally don't (laughs) like my jelly don't shake for clay. No, (laughs) clay court tennis is probably my least favorite surface to watch visually on television just because the the court speed is slower the type of points that are created on a clay court are very methodical and it takes patience you can't just kind of hit through the court can a power player like a Serena or a Venus or a Sharapova, shout out to her, or like any big player that hits the ball deep and hard, can they do well? Yes, but traditionally it takes a little bit more patience and effort and tacticalness, I guess you can say, or creating of the point in order to do well on clay. So just for me, it's a, a tad boring. I mean, you know, if you like clay court tennis, that's wonderful. I just personally don't love it, but I'm I'm going to cover it because I want to make sure that you get the best information you can here at Missing the Point. <laughs> Shameless plug. I'm, I'm, I'm childish. Sorry, y'all. Speaking of entertaining, actually, one of the most entertaining players in tennis by the name of Naomi Osaka actually has decided to pull out of that tournament. Naomi Osaka was the winner of the 2020 U.S. Open. And she is actually pulled out of the French Open a couple days ago with a hamstring injury, which isn't necessarily a massive shock because she did have this injury in New York. She basically played all of her matches with some pretty decently applied tape to her hamstring. I think it was her right hamstring. I'm not 100% sure if it was her left or her right. But regardless, she pulled out. Um, she won't be playing the French Open. And that's a pretty decent blow to the tournament considering that some top players still aren't playing, like Roger Federer is out. He's not playing because of his knee issue, not because of COVID. Bianca Andreescu, who won the U.S. Open 2019, she's not playing. There are some names that are kind of be that are going to be hit and miss that are already not playing. So for Osaka to be on the, no, I don't want to call her. I don't want to say she's on the sick and shut in list. She's not that. She just is protecting her body for the 
remainder of you know her career which is smart and also i think that she played a terrific u.s open and it's a really quick turnaround to go from hey let's play two weeks of high quality tennis in new york win the tournament and then go right across the pond to europe to play another tournament that is just as big or just as important it's it's asking a lot and that's typically not how things are done so if you have any kind of lingering uh injury that's kind of plaguing your mind i mean it's better to be safe than sorry i mean i would have liked to see her at the french open but obviously i would like to see her do greater things even for the rest of her career so if if that's a precaution that her and her team made to make sure that she is prepared for hopefully a more traditional looking season next year then by all means you know go go naomi osaka i think that she has a bright future ahead of her and she had to do what she had to do ultimately so and that's the last note in my tennis updates i did want to say that there was a winner on the women's side in Rome as well. I feel like I didn't mention that yet. <laughs> uh, Simona Halep, who is a former world number one, she is a former winner of Roland Garros in 2018. She won the Rome Open 2020, beating Karolina Pliskova. Karolina Pliskova actually retired in that match. Fun fact, I feel like people that don't know about tennis, they may be listening to this podcast. If you see the, the phrase or the abbreviation R-E-T next to a match score, that implies that the tournament, well, that no, it doesn't imply it. That means the player actually retired from that match. Not retired from tennis, but retired from that match with an injury, meaning that they felt the injury that they had either that they brought onto the court or occurred while they were playing the match is too difficult for them to go on and play. So they basically hand their opponent the, the win. That's not usually the best way that you want to end a tournament. It sucks that it had to happen in the finals, but Carolina Pliskova is a contender for the French Open. She's reached the semifinals there before, and I think she just wanted to take a precaution as well, similar to Naomi Osaka. Actually, similar to Naomi Osaka, she had her hamstring taped pretty tightly in that match as well until she retired. So I'm sure she just wants to give herself the best chance she can to play well at the French Open and see what she can do because she has yet to win a Grand Slam, and I think she fancies her chances in Roland Garros with the way things are happening. The clay isn't her most successful surface, but she has won tournaments on that surface. So I think she just was giving herself the best, the best, I think she was just giving herself the best shot. Um, but you know, all credit to Simona Halep that, you know, there's nothing she really could do in that situation. She's still the champion. She played some really, really good matches to get to that final. She played a really good semifinal against Garbine Muguruza, who has had wins at the French Open in Wimbledon and wins over Serena Williams and Venus Williams. She's no slouch whatsoever. So kudos to Simona. She's definitely one of the players to keep an eye out for at the French Open, if not the person to beat at the French Open. So kudos to her. Congratulations. And that about wraps it up for my updates in the tennis world today, actually. I think that's it. Is there anything else that I'm missing? Nope, I don't believe so. So, I'm going to take a quick break, and when I get back, it'll be time for some Hot Topics, because we love Hot Topics. Actually, I think I'm going to name this segment Down the T. If you don't get it, Google it. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'll explain it for you. Down the T, not T, not like down the T or the middle of the court in tennis, but like down the T-E-A. Get it? 
because there's always something to talk about. There's always somebody's tea to talk about in the entertainment industry. And and I told you guys that I talk more than tennis, okay? So you're going to get more than tennis on this podcast. So I'm going to step away for a second and come right back and give you all the hot topics you can handle, okay? All right. Be right back. guys this is the part of the show where i talk about all of your favorite celebrities singers actors entertainers and pretty much everything under the sun that i may like going on in pop culture right now (laughs) and you know it's not lost on me that i chose to basically debut this segment on the same week that wendy williams comes back with her show the wendy williams show I'm not claiming to be like a ultimate stan of Wendy Williams, but anybody that knows me knows that I can hold a conversation based off of Wendy Williams hot topics for a hot minute. (laughs) I'm not saying that she is the end all be all, but mama got a hot mic. Okay. She might out of her mouth might come some ridiculous stuff and out of my mouth, out of my mouth might come some ridiculous stuff, but guess what? Both of us have in common, besides the fact that we're cancers and born in July, we can own up to it. Well, at least I know I can. Wendy Williams got her own thing going on. More love and power to her. But in spite of all of that, Wendy Williams is definitely inspiration as to why I think I can give this whole pop culture hot topic genre a go. Because I listen to her talk about it all the time. So I'm like, we here. Like, we, it, it, she is like an extra aunt in my head. You know, like an extra fun, hip. Let's go ride around New York City type aunt. If I had an aunt in New York City, you know, I, I can't explain it. But I just, I, I get her. She ain't always right. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'd be like, Wendy, that ain't right. <laughs> that ain't right, girl. But for the most part, for the most part, I get her. She get me through the TV and we here. You can't see the sign I'm making, but I'm making the candy bear as we see each other sign. <laughs> but... On the hot topics, there are three issues I wanted to bring to you guys. Just some stuff I keep seeing scrolling up and down my timeline. One of them, and I feel like no one can get away from their phones without talking about it, is definitely the divorce of Cardi B and her, well, her soon-to-be ex-husband, Quavo. Is it Quavo? Because honestly, honest to God, y'all, the Migos be making some bops and at, at the bare minimum, I know he's in the <laughs> well-known rap group, the Migos at the bare minimum. I know that. And I'm pretty sure his name is Quavo, but the main focus here is Cardi B because let's be honest. Did we really think that that relationship was going to last? I'm not trying to be pessimistic or like a negative Nancy, but from the moment that Cardi B got proposed to on whatever stage she was on if you know what i'm talking about you probably can you can look it up it's the moment that quavo is it quavo y'all i should i should probably i I should probably check that hold on (laughs) y'all i just checked this offset good night i'm over it okay (laughs) i can't do nothing right today i can't get this name right see that's how much i physically tangibly care about 
his role in this situation. And I'm not like, like just to preface what I'm saying, I don't think Cardi B is an angel, but I don't believe Cardi B deserves the basically shit show that she walked into by dating him, by dating Offset. I don't, I'm not out to bash or man bash or anything like that, but his cheating level and the stuff that he is allegedly, I say allegedly, cause you got to put that out there, but the stuff that he's alleged to have done to her is definitely some down low and greasy stuff. And they always kind of were going back and forth and apologizing and just doing stunts and shows. So the fact that they announced a divorce and it came from Cardi B's team or side of the story is not really a surprise. Some people are speculating that she's doing the whole divorce giddy up for clout, no pun intended, to her song with Offset or Offset song with her. <laughs> I don't think that she's doing it for clout because in all honesty, in my mind, Cardi B is much bigger than Offset. Maybe maybe she's about what and what with Migos as a whole. And do, do they even, they make songs together. I was about to say, do they even still make songs together? I think they do pretty sure they do but if we just doing like tit for tat offset versus migos if i walk into my local kroger and see cardi b or see somebody that looks like cardi b i'm gonna be a little bit more excited than if i see somebody that looks like offset just me personally so i wish them the best even if they are doing this for publicity i hope cardi b drops a, a massive a massively great album. Her last album was so good to me, honestly. I still keep it in rotation. Although I definitely was a little bit critical because like keeping it a G, keeping keeping the buck. Cardi B is not some dope lyricist. She's not some person I listen to and the lyrics make my head explode because they're just so grand and thought provoking she's not that but what she is and i'll give it to her she's entertaining and she got a little flow like it's not no a plus flow but she can do it (laughs) she can do it she has sex appeal like i'm i'm rooting for her basically and she gotta ride this little wop train off into her next album to see even more success than i guess the first era of hers provided then so be it I think that it was a smart move to kind of get with Offset. Again, not saying that their whole relationship was for publicity, but this whole Hollywood entertainment thing is often soaked in that. So it's hard to not put that on the table. So all of that being said, I really do hope that, you know, she comes out on the other side of this divorce situation well There's a baby involved. The baby is so cute. And divorces are usually not easy on anybody. So I hope I wish both of them well. I hope Offset does what he needs to do as a father and as a as a former spouse and takes care of the things he needs to take care of. You know, when things are appointed in the court of law and just I wish that whole situation well, even though I'm sure I'll be talking about it again, because like I said, divorces can be messy and I'm going to be reporting on the mess. So I'm sure something will come up with Offset. I'm so glad I got his name right, y'all. I'm sorry for calling him Quavo, but 
dreads group rap they all come a dime a dime a dozen if you got dreads and you rap and you're in a group then i'm gonna call you one of them boys so sorry but anyway speaking of divorce another one of my favorite celebrities is in the tabloids and on the blogs and all the other stuff for more drama with a guy that she is basically tagging along with and i'm talking about tamar braxton i just want to say this is a tamar braxton music stand podcast if you don't know tamar braxton has made for sure, she's made one of my favorite R&B albums of the 2010s, and that album is called "Is Called Calling All Lovers." If you don't, if you've never listened to "Calling All Lovers," you are missing out on a R&B masterclass. I don't know how else to put it. Like I have been a fan of her sister her older sister tony braxton since as long as i can remember i grew up with my dad playing her my mom playing her me playing her independently i know she went through that little phase when remember like in the early 2000s tony did that video for what you thinking and you know about us back then i can't think of the name of that song i really can't oh my god oh my god i can't it's not it's not why be a man about it it is Oh, the name of that song is called He Wasn't Man Enough. Sorry, I definitely got brain farted or my brain farted all of a sudden. It's definitely He Wasn't Man Enough. Anyway, Tamar Braxton and her ex-boyfriend now, I'm guessing. His name is... His name is David Adafeso. And he and Tamar Braxton have actually been in a pretty public relationship for a while. But... When I do the math of how long they've been in this very public relationship, it's not long after her divorce from Vince. And, you know, Tamar and Vincent Herbert, who is a music producer, her former manager and ex-husband, they were together for a while. They have a child together. And this relationship that Tamar built with David kind of just felt at the time. And even still looking back on it, it felt rushed and it kind of felt like, he was a rebound for her because I can only imagine the stuff she was going through because let's let's just backtrack for a moment because I like Tamar Braxton's music. I kind of keep up with the person that she is. And I have to say, and I tweeted this not too long ago, that her name, at least for the past five years, has just been associated with so much drama and mess that I feel like she needs to take a break. And there are moments in her the like trajectory of her career over the past five years that makes me just want to like give her a hug and say take time for you and when I say that I'm referring to the fact that she was let go off of her tv show the panel style tv show the real that came on fox that happened in 2015 2016 and I was mostly a fan of that show for her so that happened in 2015 2016 there was rumored mess that the other co-host of that show helped to get her fired and they were in petty social media arguments back and forth about that. And I basically was on her side because I felt like she was the spark that kept that show interesting. And when they lost her, they basically lost the show. But amidst that show, she was actually doing Dancing with the Stars as well. And while she was doing Dancing with the Stars, she fell ill with 
blood clots and just some very peculiar but kind of life-threatening things happen to her in a small space of time and then you add in all of the controversy that comes with losing a very public position i just felt really bad for her and then to add insult to injury shortly thereafter infidelity issues and all kind of things started coming up with her husband vincent it came out that you know he was basically micromanaging her career or stopping things from happening in her career that she wanted she came up with this whole this is my last album i'm tired of doing music thing which i felt like was very rooted in her relationship with her husband and manager i mean it just made sense that she probably felt like i'm not going to be able to do what i love but she's so talented at i think if you just give her a mic and let her sing she has a god-given ability to entertain people with just her voice and a lot of women especially these days with auto-tune and people making lullaby music and stuff she's one of the very few r&b artists that i feel like can just be given a mic and not much else and go out there and sing and entertain with just her vocals and that's a rarity nowadays in my opinion so I always want to see her win, but this situation that she has going on with her ex-boyfriend now, David, whatever his last name is, is making me feel like she needs to do a cultural reset or a Tamar reset because not too long ago, she basically, well, not, not basically, she was rushed to the hospital for an attempted or an alleged attempted suicide attempt and... I don't know about you guys, but that's not something I would ever wish on somebody to feel like they are that low to where they have to give up everything that they have in their life. And Tamar Raxton has a lot going for her. She can sing. She is part of a legendary family, the Braxtons. Like it's a <laughs> it's a household that everybody that knows music is familiar with. She has sold a bunch of music. She's been a part of multiple shows, which speaking of shows, I think Tamar and just, and just backtracking a little bit. I think that whole, well, the whole suicide attempt was basically rooted in the fact that she was upset that the show Braxton family values that show is aired on WeTV and she felt like WeTV was basically always consistently giving her the short end of the stick or making her out to be some person that she was not. Although I think in some ways reality TV can be a stepping stone, a stepping stone or a good platform for the type of person Tamar has portrayed herself to be again I don't know her I try my best to be on the same page with her musically the reality tv thing just sounds like a melting pot of disaster enough for her to want to take her life because of the image that she is basically being portrayed as on reality tv just makes me think that she should be in a space of resetting especially with the pandemic and quarantine and COVID-19 going on. She has a child. She has so much more to live for. Like she's not washed up in my eyes. I think that if she just takes a little bit of time to herself, away from relationships, away from toxic relationships, and either focus on herself, her child, and her music, I think she'll come out of this 
on a much better space. And I want to read some of the stuff that she put on Instagram because she mentioned some things that I thought were poignant. Is that the word (laughs) about? She mentioned some things about her mental health on an Instagram post. And I'm just happy that she's aware of the fact that she could use some resetting. I think all of us at some points of our lives can use resetting. I just think that Tamar's point is, or Tamar's, Tamar's point in needing to reset is kind of like just blaring in her face at this point. So I just want to read a portion of her caption because it, it hit me in a way. And then I'll move on, I promise. Before I read that though, her ex-boyfriend David accused Tamar of being physically and verbally abusive and actually went as far as to file a restraining order against her and that hit the blogs and you know that had Tamar looking a whole whole kind of way as aggressive and just kind of out of the box and she finally responded with something on Instagram kind of basically you know giving her side of the story Tamar responded on Instagram by basically inferring that she wants to focus on herself and she wants to get to a better place of happiness and i'm right there with her so i'll just share a little bit of this with you she says god thank you for saving me you know my true heart despite what the world may think of me you kept me here for a reason you are a god of second chances and this second chance i won't take for granted the world can often be a dark place but i must resort to you for my light ladies have you ever felt like you just put all your time and love into your children job relationship and family but often forgot to love yourself that is where i've been for the past few years i believe i have put a lot of time and effort in loving and giving my all to everything else but myself i've allowed myself to stay in toxic situations including work environments i've allowed my talent i've allowed my talents to be used for the wrong reasons i've allowed myself to be used in too many angry black girl narratives i'm not angry at all i've been battling mental health for some time now and let me tell y'all is it is not a joke nor is it a reason for anyone to call you crazy i just wanted to pause on that because she said something there with me she said something there that, that that triggered me i have had my own I feel like everybody has been kind of more open with this. So why, why can't I be more open with it? I've had my own struggles with mental health. I suffer from anxiety and depression, just about like half the other million or billion people in the world. They're real feelings. And I'm glad that she is able or has gotten to a place to where she can accept the fact that she just may need an extra boost of help. There's nothing wrong with seeking out therapy or medicines or just any kind of thing that you can help you get through this thing called life especially right now because shit ain't easy y'all like there's no specific set manual for how life is supposed to go and sometimes that can really mess with you and deteriorate your mental health so if if you feel if you feel like life is just coming at you from all different sort of kind of angles and you just can't get your feet set there's no problem with kind of reaching out and saying i need help it sucks that tamar had to get to a point where she questioned her existence on earth and tried to remove herself from earth, especially with a child and a loving family and uh, millions of fans. I hate that they had to get to that point, but I respect her for basically coming out and saying that, hey, I'm not okay right now. 
I'm not saying that I am the worst I've ever been. I'm not saying I'm the best I've ever been, but I'm just not okay right now. And she gets my respect for that. As much as people want to say that Tamar is shady, 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 shady boots, she's entertaining. And yes, she absolutely can be shady. But do I think that she deserves to be in a situation where men are accusing her of being physically and verbally abusive? Not saying that there's no way that could be possible, but I just hate that she has to be in that situation. She claims that David... The guy she's been dating is an opportunist. Hate to say it, but that's kind of what we all saw from the very beginning, just based off the timing of how you got with him and how that whole situation played out. I mean, you got with him basically within less than a year of the divorce. I'm I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that she got together with him way less than a year after the divorce and stuff from Vincent. So it just seemed rushed and from on one hand, I get it. I mean, I, I can only imagine how it feels to be in a, a long-term relationship and then go from that to basically that person no longer being in your life and just needing some affection. So the fact that a rebound kind of happened is not necessarily the most, it's, it's a normal thing, basically. It's a normal thing. I just hate that it's kind of taken this downturn for the worst and he's kind of dragging her along with it. Again, not saying that she's blameless. It takes two to tango to get into a toxic relationship, but it definitely seems like they are in one, and I want her to get out of that. So, one, I can get better music. Sorry, that's a little selfish, but one, so I can get better music because she kind of has put music on the back burner to be this reality kind of star, which, to be honest, I don't think she needs anymore. Like, she just doesn't. I think she is blessed with a beautiful voice. And if she don't do nothing else for the rest of her life, at least she can sing. At least she can sing. May not be your favorite singer, but she can sing. I don't think anybody can really take that away from her. So, Tamar, if you ever listen to this, I'm wishing you the best. And I hope that moving forward, you can find peace in your next relationship or just peace amongst yourself. Because that's honestly what everybody should be aiming towards. That should be the goal. And there's one more thing I wanted to bring up since we were talking about Tamar. I wanted to segue into uh, a conversation that I saw Amanda Seals have on Instagram Live with a famous comedian I can't think of the name of right now. If you know, let me know. But Amanda Seals was basically inferring or basically, (laughs) basically damn outright saying that the real producers... Um, well, she, let's backtrack. (laughs) I got to, we got to backtrack. Amanda Seals did like a brief six to seven months on The Real, the same show that Tamar Braxton was on for years and got the boot in 2015. In 2019, Amanda Seals did a bunch of like guest hosting, I guess, to kind of feel out who would take the fifth chair on that show turns out it's it's amanda they thought she'd be a great fit and then fast forward a couple months into where we are now she's basically blasting them for or black or blasting the producers of that show for stealing her ideas at one point amanda seals has this brand that she came up with herself called smart funny and black and while she was actually on the reel You know how shows have different like kind of fun segments, kind of like this one, (laughs) where they engage fans and engage audience. And it was centered around basically people learning more about black culture, black history and things that black people 
have within the their specific lifestyle certain nuances and the overall culture of being black i'm all for it it was called smart funny and black she went on to basically blast the real and one of their producers who happened to be white based on the conversation that she said it was a white jewish producer am i saying that right yeah apparently there were producers on the show that are given segments to basically produce on the reel and the producer that was supposed to produce this smart funny and black segment on the reel with amanda in mind basically didn't produce anything she basically told amanda or she basically said hey i am over this segment we're going to do all of the things and it kind of became amanda's brainchild and she didn't get very much producing credit over it over she didn't get much producing credit for it and she went on to explain how she felt like she was robbed and this is after she has cut ties with the real because she did a like a six seven month kind of contract and she chose she she went on instagram and said that she chose not to renew her contract because it didn't feed her soul she's a very emotional person i get her some people say that she can be insufferable i get that as well but to me i, I feel like she's always coming from a place of genuineness and i can respect that I, I can respect that about her outside of the fact that she a cancer and i feel like we get a bad enough up already but that's neither here nor there. She went on Instagram and discussed how she felt. She says, once again, the real daytime demonstrates it's low, it's low class and even lower vibration. Just so we're clear, this is an egregious bite of my smart, funny, and black brand in an attempt to bring black awareness into the programming of the real. They couldn't find any other way to do this without it being a bite of my creation. Yes, I'm saying this on social media because the continued thievery of black people's work even when supported by other black indigenous people of color BIPOC needs to be called the F out and also because this is the most energy I'll give it before going on with my day and creating more dopeness that will inevitably be pilfered by the less talented ethical ancestrally connected individuals of our species happy Monday vote she said in sidebars and knowing networks, they did this because they knew I'd posted and would boost ratings. So she not wrong. It basically took her brainchild of smart, funny and black and reproduced it. The graphics and all of that are pretty much the same. And she caught wind of it. And she feels like this is another moment where black women's ideas are being basically ripped off and then put in very similar packages with a different bow on it and being told or being given other people to digest when that's not authentic and it's just not right do i think amanda seals can come off a little abrasive yes but that does not mean that she should be labeled as somebody that's difficult to work with or always causing drama because i do think the brainchild of hers the smart funny and black is an awesome way to get people to learn about black culture because i think a lot of what is going on in the world in the society right now comes from people even though we shouldn't have to be i mean black people shouldn't have to be the educators of all things black just as much as black people know about white history because it was pounded into us in our social history textbooks it should be just as easy for them to understand black culture because we both have to be into this world and coexist anyway 
what she had going, I thought was a great way for people to digest the culture in a funny but educational way. And for them to take that and basically put a different bow on it and still sell it to their audiences after cutting ties with Amanda or Amanda cutting ties with them is just not right. She basically produced that for them and they kept it and ran with it even though she was out of the door and they did that with tamar like when tamar was on the show and she would do her funny little you know they tried it segment they basically tried to rebuild that after she left and it flopped because you didn't have a black woman who was actually the brainchild of it behind the train running it i'm not for that (laughs) at all so if a black woman needs to come off as angry or bitter to get her point across that she felt like Somebody took her idea, by all means, do what you got to do, sister. I'm, I'm, I'm moving on that direction for you because I'm tired of people biting off of our style, our culture, our swag, our everything, and then putting something on it that doesn't even do it justice and calling it the same or calling it the same thing. It's just, there's so many examples that I can think of. I just can't think of them right now, obviously. But she's not wrong in the fact that this is not the first second third or last time that's probably going to happen but at some point it needs to stop if you're going to be using a black woman or a black person's culture or any any of their ideas give them due credit or at the bare minimum say that you were inspired by it don't just take it and run with it and take all the accolades that come after it and then forget the people that actually drop the nugget for you to succeed in there in the first place you get what i'm saying hope i'm making sense because Although, like I said, Amanda can be insufferable to some people. She's not wrong. In the the video she showed, basically the imagery of her segment on the show and what they tried to do, like a little spin-off off a spin-off of in <laughs> in the real afterwards is basically the same idea the same artwork the same everything just without amanda on it and amanda was basically the person that put that seed in the producer's ear so she's not wrong i'm behind her the real is going to lose viewership because even tamara walked away so yeah that show that show is dull is dust so i used to think that Tamar would have been overreacting by saying that the work environment wasn't great, but evidently something is up because if you losing all of your sisters <laughs> in a span of a couple of years, some, but only per well, I can't say losing all these sisters. Lonnie loves to up there thinking she's funny. Well, she is, but it was her brainchild anyway, the show. So maybe she should just, maybe she should just branch off and have her own late night talk show and try to be funny that way. Because the, sh- the real, the show, especially, in quarantine and people not ha- allowing like audiences like they used to it's tanking it's trending downward so we can just move on from that and try something else because evidently what they got going on is not working and that's it for down to t if you like this segment let me know i'm probably going to be doing more of this when the tennis news is light because i like talking about my favorite celebrities and stuff and i'm know you like listening about them at least i think you do so let me know how you like it and i'll be back in a second to wrap up the show Oh, and I have one more segment. It's small. It's just to get us out of the episode. Instead of me just rambling, I have something actually productive to talk about. Stay tuned. All right, guys. This last segment I came up with is basically just going to be how I try to end most of my shows. 
and I'm going to try doing that by something called holding and breaking. <laughs> if you didn't know in tennis, there are terms holding and breaking. Holding is when you are the person serving and you actually win that game, i.e. you held serve. So if you did not know that, I hope you can leave this podcast knowing that now. So if you are the person serving and you actually win that service game, you held serve. So if you listen to ESPN and somebody says, oh, that person held, boom, you know, you can say, I taught you something. <laughs> and then on the flip side of that, you have breaking. Breaking is when you are the person returning serve and you win that game. So say Serena is serving to Venus and Venus wins that game. Venus broke serve. Something I'd like to see, something we don't see often enough. <laughs> no shade to Venus, but that's just an example to give you scope of how this is going to work i'm going to mention something that i would like to hold dearly and keep watching or keep doing or keep seeing and i'm going to say that's my hold and then i'm going to mention something that i'd like to see broken <laughs> that i wish would stop that i wish would stop happening that i wish would stop occurring that i wish would change that i'm just tired of seeing and the first thing that i am tired of at the current moment in my life is rain i promise you it rains every day I wish I lived in Southern California so I could sing that wonderful song. It never rains in Southern California. That's a great song, by the way. Like, they deserve their flowers for that one. I'm just saying, they deserve their flowers. But yeah, ever since I moved back home to Louisiana, it rains every day. There have been Hurricane Sally, Paul, Nathaniel, Bob, there's been tropical storms, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, like every other time I look up on my damn phone, it's a rain alert, it's a flash flood alert, it's a tropical depression alert, like, it's, and then it's damn near October, shouldn't the water be cold? It's getting chilly outside at least, like the water needs to chill out. I didn't move home to be, I know I moved to the swamp, but I didn't, I didn't actually choose to live in a swamp, so the rain gotta chill. Either I, either I go or the rain goes. Because, I, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I understand that rain is a part of the process. But can we have it like every other other day? Not every day. Like, it don't have to rain every day for the crops to get what they need. Do it? Like, does it have to rain every day? <sighs> I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it and it needs to stop. I'm not asking for it to be piping hot because I don't like that either. But... I can't get my shit done. I can't go play tennis. I just cannot function properly in the rain, especially when it rains every day. And it don't even be like petty rain. It be wind rain, wind and rain, no storm, no X-Men kind of rain. Like, well, actually, no, it's like wind and rain. That storm herself conjured up with the eyes going back her head. And saying, yes, I summon rain for just this particular part of Miles' world. Right here. Consistently. I didn't ask for that. I didn't ask for it. I'm over it. I'm actually quite over it. It needs to stop. And I'm losing my mind. Just a tad. If you can't tell. <laughs> Please stop the rain. Please. Just give us like three days in a row. Where I can go take a walk. And my shoes don't come off muddy. Just give me like three days. Please. Anyway, on to something I'm holding. In this particular thing right now, y'all, I'm holding. And I actually mentioned it in a previous episode because my friends told me to watch this show. And I am super late to the party, but 
I'm talking about P-Valley. <laughs> Y'all, I am not even finished with the whole first season. Mind you, it's only eight episodes, but but I'm one of those people that slick likes to rewind shows, especially if I'm by myself and I'm just chilling underneath the covers, like watching a show or on a sofa. I'll rewind something if I just want to like see it from a different perspective or if I miss something or whatever the case may be. It takes me longer than like the 45 minutes to an hour to finish one episode because I'm built like that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But if I do that, that means I like your show and stars got a good one with P Valley. The P actually stands for what stands between someone's leg. You do that math and come back to me with what you gathered because I'll let you gather that by yourself. <laughs> it's an awesome show. It is without too many spoilers because I, I haven't even finished the season, like I said, but without too many spoilers, it is about a strip club in the deep, dirty south of Mississippi. Basically about the lives and hustle and bustle of a country ratchet urban strip club the stories that these women have are entertaining the manager of the actual strip club uncle clifford is <laughs> uncle clifford is everything that you can possibly think of when you think of a gender fluid manager of a an adult entertainment club He's everything I thought that person would look like, plus 10, plus some good wigs slash bad wigs and some interesting outfits. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I might not be giving the show justice right now for you to want to go listen to it, but I personally cannot stop watching it. Miss Autumn Knight got me hooked in, um, especially with her situation that she got going on with Mr. Photographer Man. I'm trying not to I'm, not, I'm trying not to give y'all too much, but just enough to where you want to watch. I promise you, everybody on that show gonna get you hooked, especially Mercedes. All I say about Mercedes is she the goat. Mercedes is the goat. I know we say Serena's the goat on this podcast because she is, but if we talking about goats on a pole, on a strip pole, on a stripper pole, Mercedes got it. She said she cornbread country ham all of that bread and she not lying <laughs> if you haven't gotten into p valley yet you need to it is available on stars and if you even got to ask a friend for their login do it because a real friend would hold you down with that they would they absolutely would you don't need to miss out on p valley all eight episodes are available to stream and they got renewed for a second season so if you watch it now you'll be well prepared for when they release season two whenever they might be so i'm excited i'm on game i can't wait to finish the series and i may come back onto the podcast one day and talk about the entire series i don't know i might have somebody on to digest it with me and have good old conversation about p valley because because at this point you can meet me down at the pink <laughs> they got me so so that's all, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys for lending me your ears on today's episode. Please subscribe, rate, review the podcast, wherever you stream podcasts. Let me know how you're enjoying it. And I will catch you guys on the next episode, okay? Take care, stay blessed, stay sane. Do the best you can to make it through the week. Make it a good one. 
and I will talk to you guys later. Take care.